Welcome to How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? My name is Rebecca, and this is the podcast where I interview my friends and peers to figure out, well, how the fuck they got to be so confident. In this episode, I chat with actor and comedian Peter Benefaz. We talk about putting time and dedication into your craft, the benefits of preparation, finding a supportive community that makes you feel like there's a place for you, and so much more. This is How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? with guest Peter Benefez. Hey, Peter. Hi. 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 Thanks for chatting with me. Thank you for having me. Are you kidding me? Um, are you kidding me? It's so good to see you. <laughs> so good to see you. So um, I usually start by asking what your definition of confidence is because it varies from person to person, right? Like some people think confidence to them is like failing and then doing it again. Or some people think confidence is really just being curious about the world around you. Um, so when you think of confidence, what do you think of? What a great question. <laughs> uh, I would say for me, confidence is someone who is, is aware of, what they're good at and what they're bad at, what their faults are and what their what the pros are in, in who they are as a person. Like that's that's to me like someone that's confident, knows who they are, um, knows their weaknesses, knows, understands their own insecurities, understands that they're a human being that's allowed to have insecurities. Um, yeah. It's funny also because the most the most uh, confident people I've ever met in my life also were the most humble too. Also what? The most humble. Oh, yeah. When someone has that like quiet confidence, it's so like endearing and magnetic and like consuming. I love that when it's not like the loudest, biggest person in the room, but it's someone who like knows who they are and doesn't need that extra like that extra like being verbose or being like big or loud, you know? Sure, sure. Do you consider yourself a confident person? I do, yeah. Uh, I've always considered myself a fairly confident person. I've also been very aware of my shortcomings and the things I'm insecure about. And I feel at ease with them in terms of like, there are things that, I'll give you an example. I'm a small guy, I'm 5'7". When I was young, being short, I was always shorter than everybody else. And it was something that I was insecure about. Um, but just through getting older and, and just, a, you know, just sort of creating myself as a human being, as an adult, it got to a point where I just, my mentality completely shifted on that. Um, do I, am I, is it still something probably in the back of my head? Yeah, a little bit. But this is something that like bothers me, concerns me or stops me from doing anything. No. Um, so that's kind of like, I guess that's kind of what I mean with that. When did that, when did that change? Like when did the shift from just using your example, um, being insecure about your height, when did that shift to being more like, I don't fucking care like when what when did that happen and what do you attribute that to um because we all have that thing sure, everybody sure. has that thing whether it's like manifest in a physical way sure. or an internal way or what i still think we all have a physical thing though still sure, sure. but like you know not everybody has gotten to the point where they can like accept it and move past it so the fact yeah. that you have i'm just curious of like if some, it, just how that switch happened. Absolutely. Um, I, I think it was a mixture of, of different things. Um, I think it was sort of just it, it, this, I think by early college, I had, there was a couple of things that kind of boosted my confidence. One was just, I guess it's getting older. Another was, and this is going to sound really weird why this would boot my confidence. So back in 2003, I had a car accident and I was with a friend. I was the passenger. We were coming back on the I-15 headed back from Vegas. It was on a Sunday morning. And uh, 
uh, our rear left tire popped and our car was going like 70 miles per hour. So the car literally ended up flipping like four times and landing on its roof. Luckily, we didn't hit anybody. Nobody hit us. I don't remember any of this. This is what they told me the next day. And uh, so it was a really bad accident. I ended up breaking my neck and I shattered the bones right here in my throat. And then I had some damage to my, to this, uh, my elbow and stuff like that. And then, so I did, I was in the hospital for five days. They did surgery on me. They put like a plate, a titanium plate in my neck. Um, and then, then for about, man, I would say probably for at least a month and a half, I was kind of almost bed rest at home when I was out. I couldn't really move too much. So I spent a lot of time just kind of thinking, um, a lot of time just sort of reflecting on my life and stuff like that. I think leading up to this, just growing up, I kind of was like, there were times I would say like I was kind of on the wrong side of on the wrong track of things. I was probably, uh, you know, I was getting in trouble with police and just stuff like that. This almost felt like a culmination of a lot of the crap I had been doing, a lot of the, maybe the feelings I'd been avoiding, a lot of the mistakes I'd been making. Then it suddenly almost felt like it came to a blurring end right here at this accident. And I am not exactly sure how or for what reason, but through the process of getting over the pain, like physical pain, and then being, I felt so alone sort of in this thing, just feeling the way I was, being physically damaged, I felt emotionally damaged. It was just a very weird time for me. And then somehow just sort of coming back from that um, helped me craft a certain level of confidence for myself that I didn't have before. And I think the confidence came from self-knowledge now rather than bravado whatever else a young man thinks would give him confidence oh uh, let's say like having you know being a ladies man or whatever you know growing up when you're a guy what are the main things that give you confidence if people think you're tough who will think you're cool if, if if women like you you know stuff like that but i think after this accident some way somehow i found this connection within myself to I don't know, accept myself in a very different way. And I think the reason why it was so profound for me is because I had to suffer physically so much from it. And uh, I guess it broke me down to a certain level. And then I was able to build myself back up, quote unquote, the right way. Um, was it like a, did it have anything to do with like facing your own mortality? in a way or is that sure. separate i don't know i'm sure that had something to do with it i think the moment where it maybe things snapped into place with me i remember sort of i was just sitting there laying down my bed alone and i was feeling so sorry for myself and i was just thinking why did this have to happen to me without realizing that that's the that's an awful question to ask yourself because inherently what it says is that you have the entitlement that bad things shouldn't happen to you. And in fact, it should happen to someone else. Mm. And I almost heard this voice in my head. I don't know, saying like, well, why shouldn't have this happen to you? Why shouldn't, why should have it? Why should this have happened to someone else? And I really didn't have an answer for that. And then I just started thinking about that kind of. Yeah. And, and that's what I mean. It kind of broke me down in a way where it's like my, how should I say? I was, I was in so much pain and was so restricted in my movement that let's say I go to the bathroom. My dad, part of my language, had to wipe my ass. Right. I think that humbles the shit out of you. Sure. And then once you're just, you feel so low to the ground like that, that's when I think if you're maybe listening to like sometimes those little voices we hear in our head, like our instinct, our, 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 Intuition. our gut speaking to us somehow, um, it helps. And I, and I think I was lucky that in that moment, somehow I found a solace in my own thoughts of like just sort of practicality of realizing, hey, this is where I'm in my life. 
what in my life have I caused that's got me here? What are those things that are things that happened to me that I had no control of? Okay, things I have no control of, they got to go to the side. And then the things that I have control of, okay, well, let me try to work on those. And obviously, I was still young, so this was a long development in the making. And now, kind of looking back now, I was still very early in sort of that process. But um, yeah, I, I believe I was about 21. Uh, I'm 39 now. And so now looking back, I see it's like, even back then, once you think you figured it out, oh no, there's a whole nother, there's a whole nother trajectory of yeah. sort of time and experience that you're going to. Yeah. I relate to your, your thought of like being in bed and being like, why is this happening to me? Like, and then it's, it's like, stuff. I mean, this sounds so, this sounds really bad, but like, both joy and suffering are part of the human condition, right? That is yeah, just yeah. something that's always going to be, no matter how much suffering is all awful and loss is terrible. It's like, how do we continue to like live in a world knowing that we're going to suffer? Everybody's going to eventually be touched by like some version of that. Right. And it's like, yeah. how do we keep on moving? Um, Man, I had no idea you were in such a. I, I mean, I didn't even know you were in a car accident, let alone a really bad one. Um, I mean, I'm so sorry. Oh no, don't be sorry. I mean, it's it's. There are so many people who got into my kind of accident and never walked again, or they died. So I was the, mm -hmm. and I still to this day consider myself literally the luckiest human being alive. Yeah. Because I walked away from it in the end of the day, technically unscathed. Right. You know, um, uh, and so I, I don't know. So it, it uh, I can, all I could be, do is be uh, thankful for like the second chance I got. So I'm, I'm just going to be eternally grateful. Yeah. Always. And it's like, it's like, man, I, I wish I could cultivate that. And I, I know I can, I know we all can cultivate that sense of gratitude without first experiencing grief or loss or pain, but, but. It does. I mean, when you experience loss or pain or hurt, you do end up, I think, for the most part, finding yourself more grateful than you were prior to. Um, Agreed. Uh, well, I read on your IMDb that you were born in Iran and you moved here when you were seven or eight. I was uh, when I moved here, I was, I think, just turned eight yeah you just turned eight okay yeah so you spent years zero through eight in iran um how i mean were you a confident kid were you were you a confident child or is that something that you developed as an adult no i i i i don't know if it's weird to say i don't know if i was a confident kid i don't i think i was uh just the, like a sweet nice kid and i was a little bit sheltered mm um and when i was growing up it was during the war it was the iran iraq war and it was a really crazy time so i think my family did the best they could to sort of like shelter me from what was happening around us because the war was very clear i mean they were bomb i lived in tehran which is the capital of iran um and they were bombing it all the time and we were there and we we're there in the bomb raids and we'd have to go in the cellar of our apartment complex and just sit there until the bomb raids are over. And this would happen like three, four times a week at some point. Holy fuck. So, and I remember all of that. So I think the idea was like, Hey, we got bombs dropping all around. So we're going to do everything we can to kind of like protect uh, that aspect of uh, sort of like keep me innocent and sort of like in the shadows, but whatnot. My brother was old, he was four years older, so he was much more clear on what was going on. Um, but even then, I knew exactly what was going on. It was very clear, even I was, so this is, I, from my earliest remembrance of the war, I was about four years old, I think. And I remember it clearly. And I remember clearly it was, it was something very negative. Because I would see how the adults were behaving around me. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously that age, like one through 
eight, zero through eight is like such a formative age. Um, what, I mean, how did that, how, I mean, in confidence is what this podcast is, the title of, I mean, the title of our pod, this podcast is about confidence, but we veer off into all sorts of directions that stem uh, from sure. that. Um, I don't know that I've ever had a conversation with somebody who has lived in a city that was in a war, an active war with with bombings multiple times, multiple yeah. times a week. Mm-hmm. How did that affect you? I mean, how did that affect you then? How does that affect you now? I mean, that is that is huge trauma. I mean, that is a huge that's scary for a kid. That's scary yeah, for an adult. Yeah. That's scary for everybody. And I can imagine yeah. that hasn't affected you and influenced you in in some way, shape, or form. Sure. I, I you know, I, I, the thing is that even years after we left Iran, I think it, we, it was still sort of dealing with the remnants of it. But I was, me and my family were lucky that, that my, my, my mom was just, aware enough and open-minded enough to sort of seek out help. And, you know, both me and my brother at a young age, we got put in therapy and we got sort of diagnosed with childhood PTSD and stuff like that. But um, the great thing about kids is that they adapt quickly, especially to good, to good quality of life. So once we left Iran, even though we came here, we were pretty poor. There was no war. Mm-hmm. We're finally in America. Um, so it was different. And I was able to, my brother and I were able to kind of heal, so to speak, in that way. Yeah. Um, but I guess it comes at a price because to this day, I can remember every part of the war like it was a second ago. Wow. Like there's not a day that's gone by. And obviously, I so, don't want to like, re-traumatize you or re-trigger you in any way by talking about it so like we can absolutely switch oh sure no no i've talked about it for a long time yeah and um that's the thing about the past uh especially you you're my friend and like so i feel open and and in a safe place but i think that's the thing about the past like i've luckily been able to talk about it enough till it sort of becomes just a portion of my life that i can analyze without suddenly feeling the feelings. I think if I sit there and like really bury yeah. myself in my thoughts and memories, sure, I'll, I'll, the feelings will come up. But just sitting there talking about it at this point in my life, luckily, it doesn't create that triggering feeling. Right, yeah. yeah. Okay, good, because that's the last But one. I was very lucky because there's a lot of people that died in that war. There's a lot of people who couldn't leave the war. So those things come in my mind too, just sort of like just how lucky we were to be able to get out of it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then it's like, also, I don't even know if this is a question. This is just a statement, but it's like learning how to continue on with life. Like even, even you said that like, you know, you can picture it like it was yesterday. Like it's still in your mind, but yet you have to, we're forced to move forward in this like linear time that we're all experiencing in this reality. But like... (laughs) It's just so hard to like, how do you move forward when all of that happened? I don't know. It just seems like such a hard task, but here you are succeeding in every way, shape and form of the word. So it's, I don't know. It's lovely to see. Thank you so much. Well, luckily time Time. literally heals pretty much everything. It sounds so cliche, but it really heals. And then again, I was lucky i had a wonderful family that nurtured me protected me um and even though the outside world was scary inside the house was fine and i think i would always rather have it this way than the other Mm -hmm. like not you know like not come from the type of family i came from but you know not have to experience the war i don't know i think i'll take i think a, a good family or at least being in a loving environment especially at a young age it's just like pivotal to confidence even yeah a lot of times when you see people who are very insecure insecurities a lot of times come from something much deeper than i'm not tall enough and i'm not thin enough or i'm not successful enough. it comes from a much deeper place and i think it usually comes from 
what happens to us is a, uh, when we're young, mm. how are we treated by our parents, how are we treated by maybe the environment we grew up in, what kind of, you know, what kind, how should I say, what type of things hurt us, what kind of things made us grow. Um, you, if you see with people who have like personality disorders, a lot of them, they went through, experienced some type of trauma as a child. And and trauma could sometimes just be the feeling of a child be, feeling like they're not loved enough or they're not protected enough. And luckily, luckily, I never lived a day in my life not feeling like my parents wouldn't do anything they could to protect me. So I, I think that inherently protect someone from other outside negative things that could be happening yeah again i'm not a psychologist but it, i mean just from my own yeah yeah yeah. no that makes complete sense um okay so you moved to the states when you were like eight uh mm-hmm. where did you move to canova park north side of canova park um it's in the san fernando valley oh okay oh so you've lived in the area since then yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. cool. I didn't know that. I'm um, a proud, proud representative of 818. Uh, yeah, I love that. Yeah, I had yeah. no idea. Um, so what was that transition like going from very Iran? Weird. Yeah, go ahead. Very, very weird. Because mm. I didn't really know the language. Um, when you come, anybody that comes to America, they have a very different image of America than when you actually land here. Especially if you're kind of poor. Like you think about America as this really rich place. Like when I close my eyes, I, I picture the Los Angeles as like Beverly Hills. Like that's what I thought Los Angeles was. And then we came and lived in Canova Park. Canova Park is a much different place now. It's become a little bit more gentrified and stuff. But at the time, it was different. Um, and I was just blown away by, I was like, oh, wait a minute. We're, I can tell we're poor. And this was the first time in my life we were poor. We Now, again, we had food, money for food, clothes. I had toys. We had a television. We, you know, we... So maybe I shouldn't use poor in that sense, but we're definitely, we're definitely, my parents were struggling. And it was the first time I was experiencing that. Um, but so I was very, very insecure when I first came here. I didn't speak the language. I didn't know the culture. Um, but once again, just, I got lucky. I grew up in a neighborhood. It was just me. It, it was one Iranian and then a bunch of, uh, Mexican folks, El Salvadorian, and some Filipino folks. And we all had a lot in common culturally, much more than I would have ever imagined. And they all just really brought me in. They taught me the language, sort of, not just the language I was being taught in school, but how people talked on the street, how people in my neighborhood talked. Um, They taught me the culture. When I first came here, I didn't know what a quarter was. I didn't know what a dime was. I didn't know what the coins were. I learned that they taught me. They these little things that I'll never forget, uh, and they taught me confidence. At least they gave me enough confidence to be able to interact with people. I felt like an American. I was starting to feel like an American, which is a really great feeling when you're not an American. Yeah, uh, you feel part of this thing, and I'll always be thankful to my people that I grew up with in my neighborhood because they knew I wasn't one of them. They had no, we were all young. We didn't know any better. They had no clue where Iran was. Just like I had never, I had no clue where Mexico was from. I had no clue where El Salvador was. I had never met a Latino Hispanic person. I had never met a Filipino person ever. Um, And they had never met an Iranian, but um, yeah. Because you know, where I grew up and, and as we grew up and people in my neighborhood and, and, and my friend group sort of like when you're a young man sort of growing up in that kind of environment, con- just like everywhere else, confidence is king, right? But you show your confidence in a different way. Confidence is sort of through your bravado, you're tough. Back then, nobody cares that you're like talented or you're smart or you're sensitive or anything like that. They only care if you're tough. Are people... Well, people respect you, respect. That's the like thing. So I, I learned that too. And some of those things I always carried with me, like call it pride, call it ego. I don't really know. But some of those lessons always carried with me about how to carry myself. 
even if I'm not feeling confident, chest out, you know, eyes forward, sort of like at least pretend you, you are, you know, like yeah. those are some of the things that I learned at that time. And um, I sort of incorporated it in my life in, in, in different ways. Do, um, do you feel like, this is a little tangenty, but like, do you yeah. feel like when you stand up straight, when you have eye contact, when you have those like physical qualities of confidence, even if you don't, bef- even if you don't feel it, does that <laughs> help you to eventually feel it? Because sometimes I, you know, they have this one, I read this one thing where, or maybe I did an interview where someone told me about like a power pose. I think <laughs> Lelon actually told me about a power oh, nice. pose. Yeah. And how, like, finding your power pose, even if you don't feel confident before, can give you confidence. And when I hear you speaking of, like, the physicality of confidence, it, it makes me think, like, you know, because there's a mind-body connection. And do you feel like when you exhibit those, like, physical characteristics, it can change your mindset in any way? I truly do. And, and yeah. the only reason I can speak on that is I've seen it in myself, um, the differences it can make. And I think there's a, there's a, maybe there's even a science to it. Like in your chest, when your chest is out, maybe it's expanding, you're taking in more air. Maybe that somehow is, I don't know. I did, but I know I certainly feel better when I, little things like change my posture, Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, looking straight forward, maybe not looking at the ground. I've always been pretty good with eye contacts. I've never had an issue with eye contact, but like, Sometimes I got to remind myself like, hey, don't slouch and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, just little things that helps me, you yeah, know, yeah, um, totally. personally, but um, yeah. Yeah. And then, okay, going back to you coming over to the States, you're making this community, um, you're kind of finding your place in, mm-hmm. in this uh, crazy country. Um, and then on top of all of that, you start going, like, getting into adolescence and, like, going through puberty and hitting that middle school age and where already everybody's uncomfortable in their own bodies and trying to fit in. Um, do you – what are your kind of memories around that time, that, like, middle school, high school age? I It was certainly – a, a tough time for me in terms of uh, I, it's a time where I got in a lot of trouble and I was doing a lot of I think acting out in ways that were clearly like sort of conducive of someone who's not confident in themselves mm. um, like I said where I grew up it kind of didn't matter um, it felt like the only thing that really mattered is what kind of respect you got, how tough you were, how cool you were, women like you, whatnot. And, you know, I, w- I felt like this sort of this small guy and sometimes I felt like overlooked. Mm. Um, I felt I wasn't tough enough because I was smaller than everybody else pretty much. And, you know, I, because of that, maybe I also felt like I didn't get the same attention from women that I would mm, like mm-hmm. and whatnot. And I was young and stupid and ignorant. And um, but another thing that helped me confidence wise is when I discovered boxing. Mm. So I wanted to get into some type of, I wanted to learn like how to be able to actually fight. I, we fist fought in the street, you know, but it was different. I didn't have skill. I wanted to feel like I had the skill. Again, going back to that bravado, toxic masculinity, name it. It's all of that sort of mm-hmm. um, I, My mom put me in martial arts. I was there a Shotokan karate for like two months. I was like, no, this is not for me. This is, this is not going to do it. Because from my experiences fighting on the show, like, this is not, not going to help me the way I did. And I discovered boxing. And I fell in love with boxing. And I was lucky to find go to a boxing gym initially that it, it was run and owned and operated by a good man who a good person who really just wanted to foster young people um it wasn't about fighting it wasn't about violence for him at all he was just teaching he wanted to teach everybody discipline we used to work out literally 
in, in September uh, 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 in the San Fernando Valley when, when it was like 102 degrees, there was no air conditioning in there. We'd work out in there. It, it was, I learned a lot of discipline in there. I learned a lot of respect in there. I had already learned a lot of respect for my family, but I learned a different type of respect for other people. Um, and it gave me a lot of confidence because after doing that religiously for several years, then when it came to the very reason I went there, when it came to just sort of being someone who like knows how to fight and could be considered tough, I got exactly what I wanted. Yeah. Why specifically did boxing give you confidence? Was it because you can beat someone's ass now? Was it because you're you're moving your body in a way that feels like healthy and in line with your mental space? Is it the endorphins? Is it like sure. what I about mean, boxing gives you confidence? Because you still box been, to this day, don't you? I do, I do. Yeah. Unfortunately, not like haven't really been doing that much over the last. 10 months of the pandemic right. uh it's such a like contact close sport but uh yeah I, I and i miss it dearly you know for me i think what it was was twofold was i found i realized that if i disciplined myself in something i could become really good at it and i also knew that skills wise i, I really didn't have a problem sort of like Hasha, I, I, I could pretty much, I have, was confident enough that I could pretty much beat anybody's ass that wanted to fuck around with me. Now, obviously, I'm still a small guy, so, you know, there's, there's, there's that. But for the most part, it gave me a certain real level of self-confidence in myself physically. Mm. Um, years later, I would realize that that's, um, that kind of confidence is very, very fleeting. Mm very surface level. Mm, yeah, right, right. It's, just, it's like a putting a Band-Aid on something. Right. Yeah, it but doesn't you still, really... But you still box to this day. Right, because well, I love it. And I yeah, it. yeah. So yeah, it's like, yeah, So it's also like, and I'm assuming you're not planning on, maybe you're planning on beating someone's ass as an adult, but oh, I'm no, assuming no. that was more at an adolescent type of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lucky, lucky. I haven't had a single... No, I mean, this is... I, no, and yet you that. still box. So it's like, it must give you confidence because you love, you're doing a thing you love. You found something you love and you're doing it. Right. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that. I mean, it's just, I absolutely, absolutely love it. Uh, I love watching it. I love talking about it. I love it. So it just, it really became a, 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 a passion, a hobby of mine. And uh, something that Boxing now has a, such a different meaning to me than it did when I was young, when I first started. Now it's simply exercise and enjoyment. Uh, all the other stuff that came with it I, I, is meaningless. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I'm going to be 40 in a year. So it's like the things that drove me when I was like 17, 18 yeah. uh, are are just so foreign from me now. You yeah. Know? yeah. <laughs> I absolutely relate to that. Um, yeah. uh, okay. So then when did you find comedy? I found comedy initially through acting. Okay. So you were an, you're an actor yeah. before you were acting before you were a comedian. Yeah. I mean, I always considered myself more of an actor than a comedian. Well, I just really love comedy and I love doing it and I'm a big fan of it. So then when did you find acting? Um, I found, you know, I think for many years I wanted to be an act. I, I wanted to get into acting. Uh, I was always like the class clown too. And I, there was a part of me like performance element I really, really enjoyed. Something really uh, spoke to me. And uh, But long story short, it really wasn't until about 2004 that I actually took my first acting class. It's like, I love, this is something that I think I'm passionate about. I got to give it a shot. Let me Wait, so this is after the car accident then? Oh yeah. This is like kind of right, like a year after the car accident, no? 2003? 2004, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. That's interesting timing that you're like, I'm, oh, certainly. I want to do this thing. I'm going to do this thing now. Well, I, I saw, but you know, like I said, like, you know, it, I was like, okay, if things can be over like this, right? Then let me 
give this a try. And I wasn't even beginning to think about, oh, I'm going to be an actor. It was like, hey, this is this thing that I, this little fire I have inside. Let me see if I even, if I absolutely suck so I know and I can walk away. And then, um, and I took my first acting class. It was an acting class at UCLA Extension. And um, it, you know, I just something I fell in love with. And luckily I got the positive reinforcement from my teacher and, and, uh, to keep going and and uh, and that's kind of how that happened um, and I started off with zero confidence in what I was doing I had a feeling I might have a knack for it but it was just a feeling based on an instinct a gut instinct not any knowledge but um, then once I really dedicated myself to like the craft of it and I developed a a self-awareness like of who I was, what my skill level was, what I needed to improve on, then I, I really found the confidence in performing in a way that I never found confidence in anything else. Wow, that's huge. Yeah, and uh, um, whether the confidence was bullshit or whether, I, I don't know, but that's what I felt inside. Um, because I remember the first couple of years that I even started training as an actor, I was like, I'm not going to, if someone asks me what I do, I'm not even going to say I'm an actor. I don't even deserve to say I'm an actor. Yet. Yeah. So it really wasn't until years later when people asked me what I do, I said, I'm not. but, um, I think from my confidence came just with how much time I put into it. Mm. Um, and I wanted to approach it. I was a huge fan of like basketball. I was a huge fan of Kobe and, and um, and uh, Jordan and and I and I love the idea of how athletes just always are trying to get better and will bust their ass to have any type of strategic advantage they can physically and in their game over their opponents or whatever. And I always thought to myself, well, why can't sort of like the arts be the same? Because people think the arts is all like they're about emotion and stuff, but like. I thought, no, it could, maybe I could approach it with the same discipline that I approached boxing. And then I just basically took class after class and workshop. And I used to basically like, I looked up the list of like 100 highest rated films on IMDb and I'd watch all of them and then take notes. And then I, I'd watch, go get like, you know, get a bunch of the films of like, let's say like Paul Newman and mm. watch him and I'd take notes. And then uh, Marlon Brando, watch him take notes. And then uh, Denzel Washington, just like all the greats. And then I would take notes and just sort of like, and it just made me feel so good that I was approaching it this way. Whether it was how much it helped, whether it was, maybe if it was overkill, I don't know, but it just kind of gave me a peace of mind. Yeah. That I was really busting my ass and earning this title of being called an actor, earning the confidence, sort of stuff like that. Um, so it's almost like you putting in the work, putting the work in gives you the confidence, gives you oh, confidence. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And I, and I think that goes for anything. Athletes, artists, anybody uh yeah and and i i didn't want to fool myself i always wanted to be honest with myself mm -hmm. and be like what do i need to work on am i slacking on this am i slacking on that um a lot of times i would see my peers that i would meet at acting classes their approach was very different it wasn't wrong but their approach was much more it was much more relaxed it was about how they felt and, so, and some of these people were phenomenal so sometimes i would question myself i'm like hey i'm really breaking my back and these people are also really good like am i doing it wrong but mm. i don't know it to this day that's the way i do it yeah i i i push it to the extent i feel like in like a professional a, a top rated professional athlete would do it like with my training with my preparation because I, I always think to myself it's like i can control nothing in an audition not even my own not even my own performance because maybe the reader is a little bit off. Maybe the cameras, anything, but at least I can control my preparation. And if I know I've, I've prepared as best as I could, if I've controlled my preparation to a T, then when I walk in that room, I can walk in with confidence. Mm -hmm. Confidence, not that I'm going to get the role, confidence that I've done my best. Right, ready, you right. Know? That you, you've done everything you possibly could 
to do your best in the situation and then the rest of it is just up kind of up to the universe like you said if you get a bad reader if you get a bad reader whatever an ill-timed reader yeah that that poor reader's literally done that 50 times before you they're obviously deserve to make a mistake so just anything could happen nothing is personal i just feel like if we go in that room and know that we've truly put our time in the preparation of it then at least we can always walk out and just like hey i did my best that's why i don't like telling people ah go book it it's like i was like i hope you do your best or like you know break a leg like because i've just noticed for myself when you go in there thinking about the job you're thinking results oriented yes i was just thinking that yeah nice great minds thinking like uh but yeah, and, and like, does that does that help you too when you sort of think like that? When yeah, it, totally. And like in doing more research for this specific podcast and learning more about confidence, switching your mindset from a results-oriented mind to a process-oriented mind is supposed to make all the difference in confidence because you are reveling in the thing that you love, which is the process. You're not I mean, you're not, we have no control over outcome. Like we can, we only have control over our, like to an extent, our physical body, our emotional state, our emotions, the amount we prep, however you want to word it. But like changing your mind from being results oriented to process oriented is something that there are so many articles written about um, that all have to do with how that affects your confidence. And obviously not just in the arts, in in any sort of realm like just in i know the the cliched like enjoy the ride but like that is truly that's true and i find that helpful too is just like i think it it's sort of goes hand in hand with like making choices on an audition um because if you base it on what you want to do what you think is right for this specific scene versus what you think the director or casting director or whoever's in the room producer thinks like you don't even there's no certainty in that so you might as well like do what you want to do what what the choice that you think works that you find is fun and interesting and then if you get a note to change it be adaptable right absolutely i i um my acting teacher who the acting teachers that I've been with the longest now. I think it's about like seven years. His name is Doug Warhead. And I love this man. I consider him a great friend and he's just a great mentor. And one thing, you know, it, it's like, he always talks about it. it. It's like, you do what is the most fun to you, most interesting to you while still serving that material. Yep. So that you come in, you're making big choices, but the producer, the writer, everyone still says this person is still honoring the world, the life that we've set sort of before you. Totally. And, uh, and, and I always try to remember that. So, okay, this is fun. What's the most fun I can have with this while still honoring the tone of this, the, the style of it, the, you know, what they have in mind for this character as it's explained and whatnot. And like you said, it, it, you make a great point. And then if they have a different idea, they'll let you know. Yep. And then you'll do that. Right. And then, you know, and then you, you'll do great and you still won't book it, let's say, because from the moment you walked in, you weren't right for it. But good work always begets more work. Mm. And in that room, they'll remember. Yeah. You know, totally. they're not, I think people, like, I think casting directors are one, one amazing skill to have is how well they remember people, how well they could sort of carpet car, uh, compartmentalize mm-hmm. people and like, Oh, this person did. So like, and I think it's almost like going there doing the work and trusting that if the work is right, this person will remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, trusting oh. yourself and trusting your process. Um, so then, Absolutely. when when did comedy come into play for you? You know, I, it's funny. I uh, I always love to be silly and joke around. People, when I was young, people were like, ah, oh, you're funny, and you know, you, just something people said. I never took it as anything other than that. 
and then I started, I wanted to be real, I wanted to be a dramatic actor. And one of my first acting classes, I remember I was doing a couple of drama scenes and, and there were scenes that were more dramatic, but I would still get laughs during the scene. I kept wondering what was going on. I almost didn't like it. I was like, I don't get it. I'm a dramatic actor. Like, mm-hmm. um, my, my teacher was like, hey, you know, you might have, you might have a little instinct for comedy. You should bring in a comedy scene next, you know? And I just started kind of working on it. And I liked it and, and it felt, it felt like it was naturally coming to me. Of course I was learning as right. I came along and I had a lot to learn, but um, about, you know, like timing, you know, this and that. And, but I was learning a little by little and uh, I just really started enjoying it. And then um, I think I got better and better at it as I got experienced at it. Um, and then uh, I started getting into improv. Um, I was just kind of typical LA actor yeah. improv story. I, I just wanted something to pad my resume so I can maybe get a commercial agent at the time. <laughs> yeah. a commercial agent. So I took an um, improv class at, at, uh, at a theater that's no longer with us. And I wasn't a big fan of it. And uh, then I found, I, I just didn't, I, I, the class didn't really have structure and I just wasn't, a, I didn't. Yeah, it didn't resonate. I didn't get it. And then I found uh, UCB and then I, I took a one-on-one class. Then I really liked it. I, it had structure. Um, it had sort of like a game plan mm-hmm. um, on, on what to do. And, th- and that really appealed to me. And that sort of helped me more break into sort of like comedy on the comedy sort of, um, I wouldn't, don't want to say scene, but you know, just yeah, like yeah, it yeah. brought me more into the world of comedy. Was that like jarring for you going from like, cause I, I am sort of the same way. I was like a classically trained actor, like went to conservatory in New York. I'm a thought of myself as a dramatic actor. I was like, that's what I do. What is comedy? Like we need to do Chekhov, like that type of <laughs> snobby vibe. <clears throat> and, um, I had to take an improv class for like part of my, one of my electives or something. And I was like, oh, never mind. This is, I really like this thing. But like the transition from scripted drama and to like, you know, period pieces and whatever else you learn in theater school into like the UCB world and this like, you know, structure within unstructured in a structured world right yeah like was that jarring for you at all like did that knock your confidence in any way did it build your confidence i'm sure it probably did both at certain points well one thing that i noticed at first in improv was right off the bat that i felt like i got was that it's still a scene just because it's comedy doesn't mean it has you play it silly you could still play it real but just like any comedies, especially the comedies you see now, it's like usually very weird, fucked up situations played very real. Mm. And like right off the bat, I was like, okay, all I have to do is kind of just act. But what happened at UCB, what you you, you kind of come across is it's like, you know, you're in one-on-one and it's just sort of like having fun. And then once you start the curriculum, then you really see how difficult this concept is like of sort of long form improv and sure i mean it really sort of like humbled me in terms of like man this is difficult i would watch some of the some of the greats and um casey Faye being one of them he was one of the first people that i remember seeing with john velvet i was like jesus man this guy makes me not even want to do this because like how long (laughs) is it going to take me to be able to be like that and i didn't want to just compare myself to him but i couldn't help it but like how long would it take me to be able to do what he's doing yeah so effortlessly took me about 10 years (laughs) (laughs) uh and even then i'm still you know i'm still he's still like someone i'm learning from all the time but i i mean at the time no i didn't deserve to have confidence in it like yeah i knew nothing all i knew that i didn't know shit yeah and watching some of again some of the greats um uh just John yeah. Velvet, that the whole team in general, just I remember watching them all, uh, just like fuck, man. I didn't, maybe I should just give this up, yeah. like, because I have this, I have this idea of like, I just, I don't want to attempt anything. I don't want to put my heart behind anything that I can't feel like I could be really great at. Yeah, and yeah, and I, I was like, I don't know how I can be great at this. I mean, this is, 
how do you teach someone struck like you said beautifully how do you teach someone structure within something that's not supposed to be i guess inherently structured right. but like um but yeah that's such a great way to put it i've never heard it put like that oh, so thanks. i think you should trademark that oh great 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 i'm gonna make t-shirts nice. <laughs> nice um did you experience anything in your adult life that knocked your confidence like any memorable moment of like self-doubt and how did you overcome it like short term because I know a lot of people I mean everybody has those moments where they're like I can't get out of bed Um, I'm I mean I guess not everybody but like I feel like I am a quote-unquote failure I have no confidence today or whatever like have you ever experienced a situation and like what did you do short term to combat that and what did you do long term one thing I was very, my mom, when I was growing up, always used to hate the word failure. Like, like me and my brother, he was, I remember once joking with each other and he's like, he called me a failure or something. We were kids and we we're laughing. And she's like, dude, don't call people that. It's really, really... I, I, I never, luckily, because I never call myself a failure. Mm. I think it's such a mean thing to say to yourself. Mm. I think if you're someone who's not trying at all, but wants it all, everything, that's, I mean, I don't, even then, I, I I don't feel comfortable calling someone a failure. But if you're out here trying, calling yourself a failure is just so mean. It's just so, just, I think sometimes we got to remember, like, to treat ourselves, like, as, like, treat us, like, if we were a little baby and we we're holding ourselves, how would we treat ourselves? Yeah. I bet we say sweet things, we kiss each other, ourselves. I don't know if this sounds like a weird metaphor, but, like, yeah. it's almost like sometimes we got to just nurture ourselves, be nicer to ourselves. Um. But, you know, being in this business, and as you know yourself, it's like, you can't, you, you, even when you tell yourself, even when you're experienced enough to go like, okay, I'm not going to put my heart into this role I'm about to audition for. And, you know, but still, you can't sometimes help but look at them as sort of little failures. Like, oh man, I really wanted that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they knock you down. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've gone in and I've tested for something and didn't get it and felt really down about it. But for me, luckily, I think I got a po- to a point with my training and my experiences where I, I kind of, it didn't really, I had enough faith in the work I had put in that I knew that I was okay, that I was mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. Sure, do I, should I work a little bit on this? Great, work a little bit on this? Great, no problem. Because I always want to get better. But I think... I got to a point where nothing really knocks me down anymore because I have the utmost faith in uh, the work I put in. Um, and I don't say, I, and I say the work I put in and not skill because I only think skill is the, the sum of maybe your natural ability, but mostly the work you put in. And, and uh, I can always at least have pride in, uh, behind the hours that I've sort of put in and then I think that sort of keeps me afloat because it's the business of disappointment. They always say it's the business of no. I don't care how confident you are. When you keep hearing no, doors keep hitting, slamming in your face. It's totally natural. Every once in a while, I feel a little down about it. I mean, it's just the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, and that goes back to sort of like being process oriented is mm-hmm. like having faith in your process. And yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so it kind of goes full circle do you do anything like daily or do you have like any sort of routine that kind of keeps your mental in check like some people meditate some people go to therapy do you have like i guess boxing but now that you now that we're in yeah boxing is um yeah well you know exercise has always been a great thing for me um even if it's just a little bit a day i have a very silly habit every day one thing i like to do is i like to go wake i wake up i go to this donut place by my house and i buy they have this tea that i really like and i get their tea and i get a chocolate croissant and people ask me why don't you buy a bunch of chocolate croissants leave them at your house and there's just something about this process that i really like that it's just every i don't know i can't explain it i guess it's silly and i'm probably wasting money and i try to be careful in other places, but like, it's just this thing that's, 
I don't know. I can't explain it other than it gives me this weird, starts my day in this weird, stable way. I love that. Um, and uh, sometimes they might be out of the, the croissant. Sometimes they'll be out of the tea. But that process is something that I just like. I and, fucking love that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that more than I think you know. Really? Thank you. Yeah, because it's like... Some people think it's weird. <laughs> whatever. I mean, it is... It's weird and great, and I love it. Uh, <laughs> um, fucking like what? I wonder what it is. Like the routine of it. Like it's the routine. That's all. That. I'm a. I'm a. I'm a like a creature of like habit. Yeah. I like I'm. I like the same things all the time. I like to do a lot of the same things all the time. I, I have my own kind of little system. I, I wouldn't say it's something that I like to do. Now, if I can't do it, it's not going to ruin my day. Right. It's not going to throw me off. But it is a it is a part of my sort of daily system. You know what's really cool about you, among other things? You're so yeah. like you're very self-aware in that like you have put the time in to think about like your routines, like your tea and chocolate croissant routine. Or like you've spent the time to think about like what do I need? Okay, I need this. Even when it comes to like audition work or prep work or you're just you're so self-aware, but like, that's, that's really hard. Like first we have to like think about what works for us. That's just step one is figuring out what works for us. And then we actually have to go do that thing. Thank you. That's very, very kind of you. I got to give credit. I mean, I really appreciate that. My mom was always very sort of a self-aware person and she helped me a lot. And then she put, again, because of some of the issues I, I dealt with growing up in Iran with the war and stuff, she put me in, in therapy early at a very early age and that really helped me understand how to just analyze myself ask myself how am i feeling right now yeah you know? uh, and i especially think for a man uh is especially important i in my culture it's a little bit more old-fashioned the the, the 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 sort of the gender roles a little more mm -hmm. fashion men are supposed to be strong and mm -hmm. tough non-emotional whatnot and you were kind of raised that way a little bit, you know? I, luckily, my mom was different. She was aware of how idiotic these things are and mm -hmm. they're archaic. And um, so it, therapy really helped me with that stuff. And then luckily, I was able to carry it along and, and, and whatnot. Um, do you but, still go to therapy or do you? On and off. It's funny. It, it's it's like if there's something going on in my life that I feel like I, I want help with, mm -hmm. Um, if I'm going through a time of like something, there's something big going on my life causing anxiety or stuff like that. Like I, I will go back to my therapist here for like, like a month, couple of months. Um, but I don't do it full time anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, only because honestly, scheduling got a little bit difficult and that's kind of how it fell off yeah. the whole full time yeah. thing. But um, I'm also thanks, thankfully just feeling like I'm, you know, I feel in in a in a good place, and whenever I feel like I need the help, I'll do it. So that's that's the beauty of it too. It's always there for you. Yeah. Always. Do you have? Okay, my last question. Um, no problem. Do you have? And the answer obviously can be no. This is a new question. They're the first person I've asked this to. Um, do you have any sort of consistent spiritual practice, religion? Uh, do you have any sort of like higher power situation that you kind of tap into whenever you're having moments of self-doubt? And the answer can be no. You know, I, I truly believe that there is some type of an energy in this universe. I don't think it's a, I mean, what do I know? I don't think it's a life force. I don't think it's conscious. I don't think it's good or bad, evil or or, or kind I don't think it's love or hate I think it's just action and reaction mm. often this is going to sound really weird but often I'll kind of I'll look at this energy I'll look at it as what I would call the universe yeah, yeah? Right. a lot of times like before I go to sleep unless I just pass out if I'm waking up i'll say just one thing i'll say universe thank you for everything i'm not sure who i'm talking to i'm not sure what it even means but i am sure 
that it's my way of just saying thank you to whatever is out there that's given me the things that it's given me. And that's really what it is. So I guess yeah. if I had a religion to really don't, it, it encompasses just that one thing of universe. Just thank you. That's, that's exactly what, then, yeah, that's exactly what I was sort of asking is this like, yeah. I had a, I had a um, acting teacher once tell me, once tell us our, our class, you're living in a fool's paradise. If you think you can be an actor without a therapist and or a consistent spiritual practice and and i think and and spiritual practice can mean literally waking up and going to get your tea and your chocolate croissant and that can be your fucking spiritual practice like that can be you getting in touch with yourself getting grounded or saying universe thank you for everything that can be your spiritual practice it doesn't have to be rigid it doesn't have to be constant it can change and evolve just like we do as people but like i just find it i just love i just so great that's such a great advice um that's such a great advice and it's so true and we all got to find it in different ways yeah find it yeah find it yeah um Tupac, who's someone I really admire, he said, you got to have faith. He's like, in this life, you got to have faith, whether it's faith in God, whether it's faith in yourself, find faith in something, but you have to have faith. Yeah. And I, that is so beautiful. It's like, you don't have to believe in God. You don't have to believe it exists. You, or you might be kind of like me where I'm like, I really don't know what exists. To me, at this point, to say that there is no God for sure is just like saying there is a God for sure. Mm -hmm. like, I don't know. All yeah. I know is I got to of my life and sort of like you just know, be open to possibilities open to possibilities and more than it, it just be thankful for whatever you know i i, I truly again I, it's something i truly believe in I, I believe in the in the energy of the universe i believe that if you're open to receive you will receive and you're receiving only from your own actions it's not a god or a man right. or a woman that they're giving it to it's it's through your own actions. that's a good point that's a really good point to add that it's like through your own actions absolutely so true okay yeah. I'm, I'm gonna recap the notes i have taken on uh, peter's tips for self-confidence also i love saying uh, peter's like i love the name peter i know it's not it's not your birth name is it no no my birth name is payon uh, that's also absolutely a beautiful name. But whenever I hear Peter, I'm like, I want to say it either like Wendy from Peter Pan and be like, Peter, or I want to like get real cockney with it and be like, Peter. Like, it's just okay. like. Yeah, it's a fun word to say in a British accent. It really is. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, here's the yeah. recap. Also, please change, correct anything that I that I may have taken out of context. I don't want to twist your words in any way. So I am open to notes. Love a good note. Okay. Uh, be aware of what you're good at and what you're bad at. Understand you're a human who has faults and that's okay. Hum be humble. Self-awareness. Self-knowledge. Find a connection to self. Self-reflection. Self-acceptance. We had a little like self section here selfie session <laughs> uh listen to your gut to your instincts therapy surround yourself with a good community who makes you feel like there's a place for you embody the physicality of confidence when you might not be feeling it discipline respect um discipline yourself in something to become really good at it find something you love and are passionate about Exercise and enjoyment. That was our boxing section. Uh, put time and dedication into your craft. Put the work in. Remember what is in your control and what is out of your control. Preparation. Trust yourself. Treat yourself gently. Nurture yourself. Uh, eliminate the word failure. Have faith in the work you put in. Find your routine and what works for you. Ask for help if you need it. Quote, universe, thank you for everything. Find your spiritual practice in faith. Wow. Uh, you made me sound like such an interesting uh, person. But that, yeah, that, it's funny when you mention all that, it all sounds so cliche. Everything sounds cliche. You've heard everything before, but it's all the stuff that's true. It's like, it's crazy how we have to keep relearning these things that we're being taught, but you really don't learn it until 
you learn it. No one totally. can teach you. Yeah, it's so, but yeah. It's so wild. It's like okay. as much empathy and as much like we think we understand some of these things, we don't until we do. Or, yeah. you know, which is like very abstract, but it's the truth. Like we don't until we do. But until like the time is right for us to like grasp it, whether or not that's like having to go through something or experience something. And that's really but you make a great point in terms of time is right. Yeah. Sometimes it's almost like we have to learn at our time. And yeah. uh, that's such a great point. It's such a great like thing to remember too. It's just hard to remember. It's well, so hard to remember. Um, but it's definitely something that I've practiced and I'm getting, I'm definitely getting better at like being like, oh, it's just, it's not the right time. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. like, it's so not personal. It's not on me. It's just not the right time. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it's such a great way to look at it. Um, well, thank you so much for chatting with me. Thank I really appreciate so you giving me thank an hour of your time. Uh, and it was so lovely well, seeing you. Always lovely to see your wonderful friend. Uh, <laughs> I miss you dearly, and I hope you're doing well. It's great to see also, you. Also, I need to add the fact I'm going to add one more thing. Peter, you're such a good actor, and yeah. like, <laughs> you're so funny. I often will watch, I mean, I haven't been watching a ton of shit lately. I've been reading more than I've watched, but like there have been times where I, I'm just watching something with Casey and I'm like, you know, who'd be really good at that part? Peter. Like, I'm just like, he, Peter would crush that part. Like just watching a random oh, thing because you're- a lot coming from you. Thank you so much. You're so like, and this is, I never even, I never talk, I never talk about like this on this podcast, but like- I'm going to say it just because I'm, I'm feeling it. You're so, when you're performing, you're so one, present, like present and listening. Two, you are in touch with your emotions. You just, you perform with emotion and it's so fucking cool. And you're just like fucking real. You're just so real. I just fucking love watching you perform and I, and I just think that you're so fucking good. Thank you. You are truly too kind that you're really making me blush thank you so much and you're it's you know I, I, I think you are thank you i really really appreciate it <laughs> um i really appreciate it thank you it uh, means the world to me coming from you oh thank my you. god absolutely you're one of my absolute favorite people to watch uh thank make you. art <laughs> thank you so much thanks for listening to this episode of how the fuck did you get so confident i'd love to hear from listeners about things that have helped you build your confidence whether that's a mantra, a routine, maybe a favorite book or an event that you went through, leave it in the review section. Or if you have a question regarding confidence that you'd love to hear discussed on this podcast, you can leave that in the review section as well and I'll check it out. Thanks again.